We have a lot of visitors here today. And you are very welcome. We want to make sure that you guys are welcome. If we love to greet visitors, we are really glad visitors are here. If you're walking through and somebody looks at you and they don't greet you, then it may be because they're a visitor too. All right? But we are really glad that you're here and, and we're really glad. Uh, so we have some people here for the first time as members too in a, in a while. And we're really glad that you are here as well. We're starting this new series, Home, the Indispensable Value of belonging. So we're going to use home as a metaphor for the church, and we're going to be talking uh, about how the church is a home. You've probably heard the quote, home is where the heart is. But did you know that Pliny the Elder said it in the first century? So he was born right before Jesus died on the cross, lived about 50 years before he died, and he, so he grew up at the same time as Jesus and the church being established in the first century. And this is what he said, home is where the heart is. What does that mean? The phrase means no matter who you are with or where you are in the world, your family and home always have the deepest affection and the greatest emotional pull. Um, and I think that's true of a lot of us. Uh, now, some people, home is a place of sorrow and insecurity, hurt and pain or abuse. Uh, but for others, it is a place of joy, security, comfort and love and 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 so that ideal is what we're going to talk about that and and as far as the church being a home some people may have not had a great church experience growing up either but we here at Woodbury strive to have the ideal of of the joy and the family is what we're talking about what are some of your favorite memories as a family growing up I'll give you a minute. Thanksgiving. So, see, holidays are one of the first ones that usually pops up. And, you know, we even around Christmas, we, one of the songs, I don't know which one it is, but it, it says uh, that it's great to be home for the holidays. Oh, my, my mistake. I forgot about Kingdom Club. <laughs> All of you kids that don't want to hear any more of my sermon. See, we... It's one of, the, one of the problems with having two services. I just did this at 8.30 and we didn't have Kingdom Club. And so I'm, I'm like doing the same thing I did a couple hours ago. But the kids want to be back there. So, uh, and we'll, when we're done, I'm, I'm glad that somebody, some probably, so I don't know, Daryl, if somebody had to tell you or if you were trying to get my attention. Yeah, somebody had to tell you. Yeah, they're like, where are all the kids? We hear Steve. Okay. All right. So uh, glad that the kids are out there for Kingdom Club. They're going to enjoy that. So the holidays and family uh, we sing about it. That was one of my favorite memories growing up. Uh, every Thanksgiving and every Christmas, my family traveled, saw both sets of grandparents and all of our cousins. Now, my wife, or my mom was an only child and my dad only had one sister. So I only had one set of first cousins. But every Christmas, we had to drive about four hours, but every Thanksgiving and every Christmas, we made sure we spent time with both sets of grandparents and my cousins and sometimes even second cousins. And I loved that time. And, that, and, and now that, that I've got a couple of kids in Tennessee and, and kids have moved away from home, I love the holidays and especially when we can all be together. One of our favorite family memories. Maybe yours is, is vacations or, or a family tradition that you always did or maybe a once a week, once a month or once a year thing and you, you remember those family memories. What about uh, your favorite, member, favorite memories of church? growing up maybe so if you went to church when you were younger as I did uh, you have some favorite memories now my memories 
you have to remember that I grew up, I, I moved here 25 years ago for the first time. My favorite memories growing up were from Texas. So some of the things I say you are not going to be able to relate to. Uh, dinner on the ground. So that was something that the church where I attended growing up had. So regularly, you know, once a month or so, we had dinner on the ground. It was kind of like a picnic where everybody from church brought their potluck, right? Okay. But they had it outside uh, on the ground. So that was one of my favorite memories. And then sometimes on Sunday night, we did this thing, especially through the summer. We called it ice cream suppers. And go to church on Sunday night, and after church, everybody would bring homemade ice cream. So I don't think that's really a thing up here, but uh, it, it was, at least in Texas when I was growing up, and it, it's, it's waning because people are just getting lazy and buying Bluebell and, and bringing that. But, but homemade ice cream, you know, we'd have 30 different flavors, and I loved homemade ice cream, and so it was a great memory for me as a child. My, my family many times would go on a family vacation with another family from church. It was fun. We were so, my family and church family was just, it, it overlapped and intertwined. Uh, my family and three other families even bought land together. One plot of land together, divided it up, and moved together. Now, some of you may be thinking, that sounds like a cult. But it, uh, it, it wasn't, but, but we, we did that. It, our, our Growing up, I'm so thankful to my mom and dad because church was this community of people. It wasn't just a place that we came on Sundays. And, uh, and so all of those things, all of those memories, but it, it is the people that I remember most of all, not just, not just the events. And that's because our relationship memories are usually stronger than the memories of events. Um, so I have a disclaimer. There's a, there's a, we're talking about home and we're talking about the church. There's a lot of uh, uh, metaphors and analogies in Scripture about the church, uh, many of them don't do it justice, um, and so it's hard. So that's our disclaimer as we do this series. But, uh, you know, maybe the bride of Christ is, is my favorite. So I've been married 31 years, and the longer I'm married, the more that means something special to me, the bride of Christ. And, uh, and so maybe that's, that's a really good one. But we're going to use home, and when we talk about home, we're talking about the church. And it's about relationships. It's about community. So... Um, On the other hand, see, there's another side to this, because on, on the other hand, besides family and home being so close, many people, even pre-pandemic, I think, began to question the necessity of church. So they, and, and, and here's some of the reasons why. Number one, you know, you, you have to have a personal faith in Jesus Christ, right? Yes, that's true. And so they would see that. And then in our age where you can stream services online and you can listen to podcasts every day, you can get a lot, you can read books, you can, you can get a lot of that information. Uh, and then especially during the pandemic when we didn't meet for a while in quarantine, uh, you know, some people thought, this is really good, meeting together as a family, worshiping in, front, in our own home. I mean, I even like that because as a minister, I don't always get to be with family. I mean, we come in separate cars every Sunday because I'm here a lot earlier and you know, I'm here for services. My daughter are here separately, you know, for one of the services. And, and so we don't always get to sit together even because of whatever we're doing. So being at home during the quarantine was really, there was something special about that. There was something fun about that. And so over this past year, 
I think this idea of, you know, is church really necessary? Because we can do all this other thing, and besides, faith is a personal belief in Jesus Christ as your Savior. We begin to wonder about the importance of church. And I want to say today, and especially during this series, that it is absolutely important. Um, our faith needs to be personal, uh, and yet a personal faith is not enough. God established the church. Why did he do that? He knew that we needed accountability and encouragement that brothers and sisters of the church provides. We, 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 no matter what we think, we can't do it on our own, and, and it's not the same. And, you know, you can, you can find community in other places. You can find it with coworkers, or you can find it at hobbies that other people do. You can find community in other places, and yet it's not quite the same as a faith community. Uh, there's a deeper level and deeper questions that with a faith community you can wrap yourself around. And, and that's why, I mean, Jesus established the church. The church is holy because God is holy. It's bought with his blood. And so there's something that's absolutely uh, indispensable about that. Jesus redefined what home and family meant. We're going to look at Luke chapter 9. He really kind of redefines home here. Luke chapter 9, verse 57 and 58. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. So he's kind of laying the groundwork. You know, yes, I'm calling disciples and yes, people are following me and they want to. But I just want to let you know that, hey, this is going to be a different, if you're following me, I'm going to be moving around. And I don't have just this one place, home. And he's, so he's kind of redefining what home is. It's not just a place, you know, it's more of, that community who you're with it's about relationship the characteristics of home and family like love and loyalty those are going to be seen in the community in the first century people were called out of their normal community and called to a specific purpose with this new family of believers i love watching the chosen you see how uh jesus and the disciples you know he calls peter and then he calls matthew and peter's like don't know why are you picking him you know I'm not sure about him and I, I think when Simon the zealot comes in and many of the disciples Peter might have been on his side but you know many of the other disciples say, hey, why why Simon the zealot I'm not, I don't think I agree with him politically you know because they didn't uh, and yet Jesus said brought all of these people together with different ideas and different experiences and said we're going to be family um, and that's what the church is about too Paul wrote the first letter one of his first letters written was first thessalonians and in chapter one he talks to the brothers and sisters there in thessalonica and he says you were called away from this worshiping of other gods and idols i think it's verse six but if you read Acts 17 the account of establishing the church in thessalonica it says that you guys were called out of the jewish synagogue and became believers in jesus christ so what's up well it was kind of a both and it was like, and I think this is a beautiful picture of the church. You've got people from different cultures, different experiences, different situations, different belief systems, and they're all called to unite together in this new family, this, this new home for new purposes. Um, many of the followers of Jesus were ostracized from their family because of that. I'm sure many of the Jews who began to follow Jesus, a lot of the Jews were like, no, that's not the Messiah. And so there was a division there. And, and 
for the ones that worshipped other gods and idols. And they've got this new life. And, and maybe they're thinking it's a cult or something. This new church family and meeting in homes and that kind of thing. And so maybe they were thought of as awkward by their family members. And yet they form this new bond uh, around Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 46 through 50, read that together. As Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. So someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to speak to you. Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister, and my mother. Redefines family. He kind of redefined home, and now he's redefining family, and he's saying, you know, I mean, your, your following of me is most important, and that may redefine who your family is and who your mother and your brothers and your sister is. Did you ever stop and think why Jesus called his disciples and then decided to travel for years? You know, wouldn't it have been smarter and more efficient to just rent the local hotel and the big conference room, invite everyone in and then say, Here, here's my plan, you know, buy into the plan this weekend and then go do it? Um, no, you, you don't develop this bond, this love relationship overnight. It takes time. And Jesus knew that. And especially when you're talking about different people of different types of families and community um i've got a picture of it's target field it's joe mauer this is the kids classic so this tuesday night in two days he's going to be at target field he does this every year uh he raises money for gillette children's hospital specialty health care and he invites a lot of his old teammates and they come and they do a home run derby and they visit with the kids and this is a big crowd so all those baseball players are like on the back row back there um I was reading about this because it's coming up this Tuesday, and the players, Joe Maurer, Justin Morneau, a lot of his friends that are going to be there, they all kind of talk about the same thing. Yeah, they talk about the kids in the hospital, and it's a great cause, but when you ask personal questions, they're like, I just love being back with the guys, back with my friends. Why? Well, because when they were players, they were with each other 24-7 pretty much, travel together, eat meals together, hotels together, practice together, games together, hanging out in the clubhouse together, clubhouse after games together, especially when they're on the road. And they develop this bond that once they retire from baseball, they kind of lose. And they wish that they had that close bond back with those guys. And so when they do get back together at times like this, they just love it because that bond is still there. I've been blessed to travel to many different places, live in many different places, many different churches. And I, that's how it is. I, you, you develop a bond with a family of believers, and it continues the rest of your life. So I cannot see people for 20 years and then get back with them and like, you just kind of pick up where you left off, right? Some of our visitors who are here tonight have, or this morning have that kind of relationship, and that's why they're here. It's one of the great things I love about camp. So we talked about flaming, Leon mentioned Flaming Pine Youth Camp. It's going to be open this year, thank goodness and uh, thank God. And uh, June uh, 27th through July 3rd is Teen Camp. Patrick is going to direct that session. And if you want to go to that, you can. It's, you know, 
you got to be 14 years old. I'm directing youth camp, and it's July 18th through 24th, so it would probably be the better one to go to. Um, so Patrick, I'm sure will listen to this. Um, it, it's age 9 to 18, so I know a lot of you uh, are going to come. And, and I encourage all of you, send your kids. If you have neighbors, we can work that out too. We, we want to have a good time. What I love about camp, you're not just in there for a couple of hours and then you leave. You're there together all day. You have meals together. You live together. You play games together. You study the Bible together. You work together. You wash dishes together. You do all of these things all day, every day, and you bond. And, and you don't get that same kind or same depth of bond when you just see each other, you know, once a week or so. Uh, so I love camp. So besides this kind of redefining home and redefining family that Jesus did we also need to realize that home is a place when you are confused or you're shaken by something uh, that's the place you run to you you want to run home it's a place where you can find stability one of the uh, most unsettling days of my life uh, happened in first grade I was Second day of first grade, six years old, in school, and I see one of the administrators come in, talk to my teacher, they're whispering, and then they come back to me, and they ask me, were you in school last year? And because I was in kindergarten, I said, yes. And they said, oh, okay, you got to come with me. And so as a six-year-old, I go with them, and they lead me down the hall, and they lead me across the other side of school, and they put me in a classroom of second graders. And I don't know anybody. And I don't know the teacher. The teacher says, welcome. Yeah, we're, they, you know, give me a stack of textbooks like this high. And, and, you know, I'm trying to learn run, spot, run in first grade. You know, I don't even know how to read completely yet. And, I'm, and so I'm totally shaken. I mean, my world as a six-year-old has just blown up. Uh, so I just, I'm just kind of in a fog surviving. And I get on the school bus and I go home. I go through the door, and I guess my mom sees it on my face that, you know, I'm shaking, the world has blown up. And she says, what's, what's, what, what's wrong? And I said, and I just lose it. I start bawling. I said, they put me in second grade, <laughs> you know. And, and, you know, so, and then did you see the look of shock in her eyes? Like, she doesn't know what's going on. But then she sees me, and then she's like, gives me this big hug, you know. We'll, we'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. It's all going to be Okay. And that's all I needed. You know, you need that love, that stability of home and those relationships. And you know, okay, it's going to work out. It hasn't worked out yet, but it's going to work out. And so, yeah, the next day she takes me to school. She gets, I don't know what happened, but she gets it all situated. And I'm back in my first grade classroom. Uh, we need that at church a lot of times. And I want to read Acts 1, 12 through 14, because you see, this is right after Jesus has ascended into heaven, uh, and the disciples have watched him go. So he's died, they're shaken, he's resurrected, they're like, yes, and now he's leaving again. In Acts 1, verse 12, then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present, Peter. John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, 
the zealot, and Judas, son of James. Another Judas. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer. Along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. So two things. They've been meeting in this upstairs room for weeks. They, they were meeting there before the crucifixion. And they don't know what to do. Their world is shaken, so they stay there. But then Jesus is resurrected. They're still there. Now Jesus has ascended. They go back to their relationships with each other. They go back to where they feel like there's some stability because they're confused and not sure what to do. Jesus has told them, wait here until the Holy Spirit comes. But they don't know what that means. So they go back to this stable place. Um, In John chapter 14, Jesus says something very important. So I want to read John chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus is promising his disciples about the Holy Spirit to come. And he says, Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them. And get this. And we will come and make our home with each of them. So we spent 26 weeks on this. We spent 26 weeks on the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's vital. It's important. From page one of the Bible, the Holy Spirit is there hovering over the waters. You see the Holy Spirit, one writer said, make these visits. He visited different people. He visits Moses or he visits the prophets or he visits some of the kings. And, you know, he's had these visitations where he comes in. But, and, he, and he visits Jesus when Jesus is baptized, all these things. The Holy Spirit has kind of been this visitor. Now Jesus is saying in John 14, it's going to be different. And in Acts 1 and 2... It is different. The Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence. He's going to make their home within each of them. And there's a big difference between a visitor and the relationship you have with a visitor and the relationship you have with somebody who is in the same home with you. And that's what the Holy Spirit is. It's totally vital to what we do and what we need. And God knew that and Jesus knew that. And that's why Jesus establishes the church. And that's why Jesus gives the Holy Spirit to us to live within us, to live within the group of us. It's so important. The culture of Palestine during this period of history, the home was very important. It was important for a lot of reasons. Hospitality teaching it was a place to retreat from the world when all of its endless problems and demands it was a place of opportunities of growth Uh, and in addition to all this it was a place of protection uh, for amnesty for foreigners for travelers uh, and for outcasts it was this is hard for us to do today 21st century but it was not uncommon for people to meet someone on the road or traveling or an outcast that they had not met ever before and invite them into their home come stay with me you look like you need a place of rest and that's what the church is supposed to be for us I, I sometimes I wish our home was that too and I think it can be but we're a little gun shy sometimes of that kind of thing but the church can definitely be that um, and because of that later in John 14 Jesus says this, it's not on the screen, just you listen or follow along. Verse 27, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus is able to say that because the Holy Spirit has taken up residence. The Holy Spirit has made his home with each of you. And sometimes we allow our fears to change us in a negative way. Um, our, our, when we are afraid, 
we become insensitive. We, we, when we're afraid of other people, we, we, we miss opportunities to love and to serve. Uh, for example, uh, for years now, uh, we have been told and seen uh, that Muslims are very violent people. And although that is true, that is not true of all Muslims. In fact, most of them are not. And you may find that hard to believe, but that's because you've been listening to the media for years and years and years and years. Uh, and so we miss opportunities to love them and serve them and get to know them and maybe lead them to Jesus because of our fears. Um, our fears can, can keep us from a lot, of, a lot of things that God wants to do. We need to live by faith. We find it easier to live by sight, I'm afraid. Uh, and that, and that's, that's difficult. Uh, many times we, uh, we're afraid of God. So uh, just put, I'll put it this way. We know that if we have this deep relationship with God, he's going to want to lead us and we need to follow him. And we don't want to follow him. We don't want to do everything he tells us to do. We'd rather keep him at arm's length and believe in him and worship him sometimes and then do what we want most of the time, make our own decisions. And that's when Jesus said, follow me, he meant follow me. He, it's, not, it's not just believe in me and then do whatever you want, make your own decisions. And so sometimes we're, we're afraid of getting too close in our relationship with God. Um, that's what I think that's part of what the prodigal son was all about so you know the story probably if you don't read Luke chapter 15 you have this youngest son that and you know there's a lot of details that we're not going to concern ourselves with today but he wanted to leave home I think he wanted to make his own decisions he didn't want to continue to listen to his father he wanted to make his own choices and his own decisions but guess what it didn't work out very well for him and so he eventually what wanted to go back home and when he goes back home when he makes the decision to go back home that's his place of stability what happens a father's love runs to him meets him embraces him and and that's the story of God who who gives us a home away from home for all of these reasons um one of our children well I'll tell you who it was Abby our, our oldest, gave, she loves to give presents at Christmas time. And she wants to give presents to everybody at Christmas time. Not just family members, all the cousins, all the relatives, all her friends. And as a school teacher, she doesn't really make enough money to do that. So she finds creative ways to give gifts. And one of the gifts, one Christmas, I think it was Christmas that she gave Tina, uh, says this. There's a picture. Home is where your mom is. And then love you, mom. And I, T Tina has that up, and you know, of course, it's it's, it's a great gift, and and Tina loves it. Home is where your mom is. Well, I, I would say, home is where God is. Jesus redefined what home was. Jesus redefined what family was: brothers, sisters, mothers. And he, Jesus, establishes this church, has his Holy Spirit live with us, take up residence, not just visit occasionally. And home is where God is, and that's what, we, that's what the church is supposed to be, and that's what we strive to do here at Woodbury, is have this bond, this family, this community, this faith community 
that helps each other out and helps the outcasts out and, and those who are hurting and those who are in need. That's, that's what uh, it's all about. We need to recalibrate our thinking and go back to what Jesus said for the church and what it did for its members. We, we live in a, a digital age. And as I said before, we can find all kinds of church services to stream, all kinds of Bible lessons to stream. And a shout out to Right Now Media. If you're not on Right Now Media or if you've lost it, contact me. In the summertime, a lot of times you're traveling and you go away for a week or a weekend. Uh, or You can access Right Now Media anywhere you have internet access and you can do Bible studies. It's, it's really great. But... Those types of things, the podcast, right now media, streaming online, none of them are a replacement for the relationships that we have with one another here at church. Uh, the church is not about entertainment because you can find that everywhere. The church is uh, not just about community because you can find that elsewhere. But again, faith community is more important, I believe. The church is not only about content like the books and the podcasts and the streaming. The church provides indispensable relationships. We need each other more than we realize. Without each other, yeah, we survive, but we're not all of what God intends and wants us to be. Uh, we can feed off of each other in very good ways. Uh, home and family been redefined by Jesus. Church is not just an institution that has a set of rules. It's not a political tool or weapon. First um, Thessalonians says it this way. 514. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. And be patient with everyone. This is the family. This is the community of faith. This is the bond that God wanted the church to be. Um, the church is the perfect place for those that feel far from home. The church is the perfect place for the outcast. The church is the perfect place for those that feel disconnected. Come connect with us. Come connect with Jesus through us. That's what God intended. Put others first. Stop thinking of ourselves. The church is not defined by its differences but it is defined by its one common hope that Jesus Christ as our Savior has cleansed us of our sin and he is coming back for us.